And here they come. Louth, O'Brien, O'Neill, Conlon, White, Coleman, Bean, Riley, Cunningham, O'Donnell, Lynch, McDonnell, Rose, Smith, Blood, and me and... Breaks inside to Stephen White. The one man that can do it, and he's done it! A goal for Louth. Paulo Hanlon, a vital touch. Now he's Stephen White to his right. This must be it! It is! I don't believe it! Kildare must be out of the Leicester at midfield, wearing number eight, the first all-star ever from Louth, would you welcome Paddy Keenan. Arguably the most popular of tonight's winners, Paddy has led from the front for Louth since his championship introduction in 2003. Here's a chance for Rooney! What a goal by J.P. Rooney! And then it happened. Bean sends in from the sideline and Sean Cunningham finishes it to the net. Louth are in front. And here it is. Now the All-Ireland champions for the third time. Welcome to We Are Loud Talking Pointless Podcast. It's the seventh game against Mead. We'll be going through it. We'll have a reaction from Pete McGrath. We'll have a match report and we'll have all the talking points from the Pointless game and the Pointless League campaign. So thanks very much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Here is the Mead and Loud match report. Um, the game started off in draw. It was a cold enough day. It was uh, kind of soggy underfoot. Pitch looked well from the outside, but once you got closer to it, it was stodgy, it was heavy, and it was it was tough going for the players. Before we even got out onto the pitch, Laird suffered a, co- a couple of setbacks. Um, Ryan Bournes wasn't fit to start. James Craven wasn't fit to start. Owen Laverty wasn't fit to start. So following off from that team that finished against Clare or played against Clare, that won the second half or only half of football against Clare in the league, and we were massive, massively like undercut by an earlier third of the team. And right before throw-in, Darren Marks cried off injured as well in the warm-up. So in came Andrew Smith for his first league, first ever league start. And like most games in this entire league campaign. Laird conceded the first score, but it was a uh, it was after a couple, it was a minute it was a minute played of, of the game, and it was Paddy Keneally from Dundery who uh, floated over a long range point. You thought, oh here we go, Laird are down and out again. We're behind. We're gonna just we're gonna crumple again, and we're not really switched on. But the complete opposite happened. We stuck in the game. We got very defensive. We got a good shape. We made we made uh, the confines of draw the pitch even more narrow for the Mead team. We we we. We really packed it tight and we didn't let them through and we're having a lot of joy on the counter-attack. William Woods fired us two frees over the bar and Mead lost influentially Eamon Wallace. His brother Joey came in. So that was a bit of a boost for Loud. We actually went 3-1 up then. Declan Bourne had a beautiful point from way out, just swerved it over the bar and that left us 3-1 up and you thought, we're really in this game. This is this is good sign from Loud. The sight of the Mead jersey really riled them up and the Loud supporters were kind of getting in on it as well. Although the football wasn't great to look at, Mead were really, really frustrated with it. You could hear the fans, let the ball in, and they just couldn't handle the, the approach. They, they, were, they were going sideways and backwards. They were mocking the players that they were going backwards too much. Um, Andy McIntyre was being roared on to get make changes. 
and it's just we we unsettled Mead early on. We 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 put them in a pattern they don't like. They're usually a running game, a running team, and we really stifled them. They run, they were running out of ideas, and we were three one up. And then right on the touchline, uh, James McEntee hugged the touchline right in the corner of the hospital end and he uh, coming up from right half, he clipped over a point. That was after 24 minutes. Ben Brennan from the Kills, who would know draw the fairly well, um, kicked, the, kicked the point, a nice point. It was a good move, him and his club mate, Graham Riley, put a good hand pass, probably the best move of the game, to level the game at three all. But Loud... Full, fully deserved a half time lead Jared McSorley got really into the game he got riled up he hit a late tackle just before the, just before that I think it was just before uh, Brennan's score he hit a late tackle he got got involved got angry his tail was up on the next attack he drove through very decisive right through the heart of defence and he slotted the ball over gave us a 4-3 lead and I think I think Pete Pete will mention it now uh, in the, his reaction coming up. That was the first time we led a half time throughout the entire um, league campaign. We were strong. We were decisive. We were very hard to break down, and it, was just, it just showed how well we can play when it did happen. Derek Maguire was breaking. Anthony Williams was breaking. Bevan Duffy as well was cutting out attacks, and any long ball that came in, Bevan was was gobbling them up. Emma Carlin didn't look troubled by Shawnee Tobin at all, a full forward. So all in all, even even the debutant Smith, he had little to do. He's marking Donald Lennon. Lennon's a good player. His brother made his uh, his brother was the first Mead man to play soccer for Ireland. He's a good soccer player himself. He wasn't really seen, and that's nearly a good thing for corner back early on. We took completely dominated. It was very positive going in at half time. You thought, oh, here we go. There could be a shock in the cards. It might even be a draw match. We could send Cork down. But uh, it it didn't turn out like that. Uh, T probably probably just reddened the ears of the Mead players and told remind them what's at stake, told them to lift the gear, and that's exactly what they did. I think it's his his son Shane, the very man, got the ball rolling straight away in the second half. He leveled from from out in the left hand side, got into the road end, clipped it over. It's more of a hit and hope, but it went over the bar, and that was the first of five scores Mead got in a row. Lennon got his first of the day with a free. Joey Wallace ran through and got a free. Then Anthony Williams got black carded, took a, took a player down. It was a black card. Ben Brennan got a free, <coughs> and then they had a really good goal chance before Killian O'Sullivan got the fifth point in a row. So they went from a point down to four up. It was eight four at that stage, and loud. I just loud really just fell apart. It just me got the running game going. Keneally got on top around the middle of the field. Menton as well helped them out. We just we just seemed to run out of gas. We forgot what we were doing. We went down and we kind of opened ourselves up instead of going more tighter at the back. And uh, it just it, it just didn't happen for us. So after a promising uh, start to, this, to, the, to the first half, um, we, end, we ended up being... It, it was double scores to come the end of the game. Tyg McEnany came on as a sub. And in fairness to Tyg, any time he's come on, he's made an impact. He made an impact against Clare. He came off with William Woods and uh, he kicked the free. Graham Riley and Thomas Riley made a 10-5. Lennon had the free to make it 11-5. And then Tommy Doran, after about 22 minutes, kicked a first point from play. A trademark Tommy point. He's always good for a point during a game. He lashed one over the bar. McEnany got a free, pulling the back to four points. But uh, then the subs came in and then Tommy picked up a second yellow card. That has 14 men. And sickening as me there, they, they go down and they get a, a, a palm goal just just to really rub it in um, 
Donald Kogan strode up the field, probably a classy player, probably the classiest player Mead have. And he uh, found Lennon unmarked at the back post in the simplest of tap ins. So you could feel maybe the maybe the, the fans were roaring and shouting as it was probably the the release of the pressure valve. They knew then they weren't getting relegated or a chance of a comeback. Lennon finished the score to make a one twelve to seven to Mead uh, on a disappointing day for Laird. Um, we showed good positive signs early on in the first half, just couldn't build on it. Mead lifted the gear, but all in all it wasn't it wasn't a great spectacle and you look at them Mead probably deserve to go down but they'll stay up and it'll be loud and down to go down next year. So that's the that's the match report. Um here's a reaction from Pete McGrath. Yeah, you could say that. Uh it was the first time in the entire league that we were done at half time ahead. And I thought maybe should have gone in further ahead at half time and control large parts of the first half um, we knew second half Meath would come out and they would be trying to step up the, the pace and the intensity which they did and we lost our way a bit we had maybe early chances in the second half we didn't we didn't convert one or two frees that were possibly scores uh, one or two other we, uh, opportunities weren't taken and um, Meath were beginning to exert pressure going forward they were starting to move forward with more pace more purpose and they got a couple of good points and you know, once they went ahead uh, by three, four, we did keep st- fighting, and, and we were unlucky. Maybe didn't get a goal. The one that Ross and Ali just flashed wide. Um, but you know, in the second half, we did lose our way a wee bit, uh, and probably on the day, the fact that you know the game, in terms of league points, it meant an awful lot more to me than it did to us. I mean, you have, you can't deny that. Um, but our t- we battled on, we battled on, and um, that's the league gone. Very disappointing to finish pointless. Uh, we've had some poor enough performances, some good enough chunks of matches where we did play well, and today was maybe one of our better performances. But we just got to park the league, learn the hard lessons from it, and all of us players and management and, and move forward into the next six weeks prior to the Carlo game absolutely that, that, that was the, the, the intent and the fact that we didn't have time to point ahead and the fact that halfway through the second half the game was still there for us in terms of the scoreboard uh, unlike other games in recent weeks where we fell behind quite early on and were maybe out of the game even at half time uh, you know 10 points behind against Clare I think it was 12 behind against Temporary. I mean, uh, you can't you can't let that continue. You have to do something to make sure that your team is in the game with a chance at least going in at half time, and that was part of the reason why we did set up more defensively today. And up to a point, it worked. But if you're doing that, then you could suffer the other end. Um, our scoring today, what we scored today, seven. I mean, seven points isn't going to win you anything, and, and that's that's a reality. So we have to try and marry an effective defensive pattern and system. But by the same token, we've got to give ourselves a chance in what we scored. It has to be more than seven points. And whereas against Clare last week, there, there were parts of the match we did play very well. And some very good moves and some very good good scores. Uh, today's game was on a heavier pitch, tighter pitch. And it was a very defensive game today, let's be honest. I mean, me scored a goal and a point in the last 90 seconds of play to win by eight. But I mean, up to that, it was uh, not 11 to not seven. Which would tell you what type of game it was, you know, and that's that's. Uh, but we certainly have to 
have to improve on a lot of facets of our play uh, over the next six weeks if we are to, to, to seriously have any aspirations of making any kind of impact in, in the Leinster Championship. It, it, it would it would appear that way, and we weren't helped then by by injuries to to key players at different times, um, and the fact that a number of people you know retired from last year. Uh, someone said that the team that played Tipperary this year had only four players from the team that played last year. Now, I mean, if that's the case, that's a, a pretty big number of players to to be leaking, hemorrhaging for. With retirements or injuries or emigration or whatever, and a county like Louth can't sustain that and hope to keep playing at a certain level. So yes, there is no doubt, and the evidence is there. It doesn't take massive amount to say that this division for this group of players has been a step too far. Mm. It has been a step too far too soon. But yeah, hopefully they'll be better for it, and hopefully you know going forward, uh, the the lessons and the experience and they're a young side. Uh, and some young players have come through very, very strongly. None more so than Emmett Carlin, who has been a brilliant full-back for us and was brilliant again today. Uh, James Craven was a major plus as well, and he misses today's through 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 hamstring injury. Ryan Burns missed today's game. So I mean, you know, we had we had um, problems coming into the game, and when you've only got five subs, mm. uh, one of which who I think would who come on, young Aaron Can come on, Paul Matthews. Paul Matthews, Tag McEnany, Tag McEnany, four, mm. and when your other sub is your goalkeeping coach. Mm. Now, I mean, that that's shouldn't happen this level of football. Mm. Shouldn't happen this level of football. Mm. Shouldn't. It has been for for quite a while, and um, it's it's they've got promotion, so they're in a, a, on an upward graph, if you like. Uh, we have gone down. Both teams will compete in Division 3 next year, so you could say that in that sense that there's not much... And there isn't. They've been working very hard. Uh, they've got a very good system of play, very effective. They're very hard to break down. And, you know, we've got six weeks to get ourselves ready for that game uh, in every way, physically, tactically, uh, get the skill level up, get the guys in terms of... The, the, mentally, they have to be so tough that day that, that it's got to be a major, major challenge. Mm. And that's the challenge that awaits us, and that's the challenge that we got to meet. Mm. We certainly won't be losing anyone because if, if we lose any more, uh, <laughs> we'll be down to the floorboards. And uh, so, no, whether or not uh, some players come in, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I don't think there's a busload of players waiting to come in. I don't think they're out there. Um, and it's more a question of getting players within the panel fit. You know, the likes of hopefully Sam Mulroy. Uh, Jim McEnany, possibly John Bingham, although John's more 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 doubtful. Uh, Neil Conlon. And sorry, Neil Conlon. Neil Conlon is right. Yes, Neil. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so it's getting those guys fit and ready. And if that was the case, then I think that would um, improve our options quite considerably, particularly in the forward line. And um, when you you know, uh, it's a question of getting the very best out of what's available to you. And that's what we'll be trying to do over the next couple of weeks. So that's um, Pete's reaction to the game there. A couple of things in it. He alluded to the defensive approach um, that we took. and you know, It gave us a first half lead. You wonder why we didn't set up like that all year. It, it paid dividends. As you can see, it gives us a, a lead at half time. The first time we haven't, haven't uh, been down at the, at the half. Um, maybe then you have a look at why we, why he, he talks about why we haven't got enough scores up the field. Um, I don't think the two are, are connected 
Um, even if they are, if you play the same way the whole time, you can nearly work on it as, as something to work off. If you're playing defensively every game, that's fine. You work on that and you work on that. And also it means you can work on getting forward off that base. Um, a couple of things as well. He, he says, why are these things happening? Like, why are um, why do why we not only have four subs talking out? I'd probably, maybe that's one of the talking points I'll get to now in a few minutes. But he, he like it's, he's the man that should know. Uh, there's no point in putting it out there and saying it's not good enough. Um, then also on top of that, uh, he referenced that there, there isn't players to come in. I don't know. I might do something on that next week. I know the league, the leagues are sort of all starting this weekend. I think there's four rounds of league matches in a row. The remainder of April. So there's definitely players out there that can make an impact in this panel. Um, young and old, uh, all across the board, all across the three divisions. Like you could, you could quite, you could quite simply think one player off the top of my head in Division Three, Keane Callan, Division Two player, Conal Smith from the Joes, um, Division One. There's tons out there. There's lads from the Marys. There's lads from the Martins. There's uh, players from Clotterhead have all drifted away. Um, the Mahonies as well. So there's tons of players out there that could get a call up and and come in and do a job. I don't know whether he he, he means that they players have been asked and they don't want to commit but if he's saying that there's not there's not quality out there to come in I don't I don't agree with that at all and um, there's definitely players there to come in and make an impact um, but that, he, he did sound upbeat and he, he is looking to build upon this um, <clears throat> it looks like uh, we've like we've we've six well we obviously have six weeks now to build up for Carlo. It's going to be a snappy game. There, like I know they were beaten in the league final by by Leash. That's something we can look at and maybe target and focus and maybe copy how Leash did it as well, and a template to work off. So six weeks is enough time to get ready for for uh, Carlo. It's enough time to get the league system, the league out of your system, and so. Hopefully we can do it and uh, here's my talking points from yesterday's game. Talking point number one. We won a half of football. I know we won a first half of football. We started really well. So it just shows we can do it when we focus on it. That's something to build on and focus and bring with us going to uh, play Carlo in a couple of weeks' time. Why did we go up at half time? Because it took an awful lot of damn work. We uh, we, we put we, we had a lot of men behind the ball, uh, 14 I think at one stage. But was, you could hear Galley communicating with the players. You could hear, you could actually see them moving across side to side, pushing Mead out. Fergal Dunne, who came in, did a really good job in killing O'Sullivan. Carlin was solid in the full back line. Andrew Smith as well came in and made his debut, like I said in the match report. They were all they were all well protected and well marshalled um, in front of them by Bevan and their low line wing wing backs and uh, Maguire and Anthony Williams, who were able to break forward as well at pace. Decky Bourne and uh, Tommy Dornan come in and filled the channels as well. Tommy Dornan cut out a couple of balls, and then Kieran Downey came back as well and helped out as an outlet. And then on the other wing, Jared McSorley really put his uh, probably his best performance. He uh, 
pulled all together, he put ha- tackles in and he um, he got forward, he used his pace, he travelled up the field and then on the 40 as well, Andy was Andy was immense, he really was, he really do- always plays well against me, he was brilliant, he really, anything good Laird came of yesterday, it was, it was true Andy, he really dragged us into the game in the in the first half, he was getting tackles in. He was picking up an awful lot of short kickouts. We, we that's another thing. The good first half, we won. I think six out of nine kickouts, all of them short, right in that D. And uh, me did press up and that kind of told in the second half. But um, we we're picking them up. Andy was picking them up. Bevan was picking them up. So it gave us a great platform to counter attack and get up the field. We're well able to do it. It was the basis of why we got there into Division Two. We did go away for, but hopefully now we can we can look at that and and utilise that ahead in the weeks ahead, coming up to face Carlo in the championship. We were a very deep, low lying team, very hard to break down, as Pete said. So he's obviously aware of them. He will be aware of their coach Stephen Poacher, a fellow Down man. So he know what they're about. He know about um, Carlo football and uh, Poacher's approach. But that's why that that was why we were successful in the first half. We worked really hard. We counterattacked it very well. William Woods kicked two points from two good frees. He was a menace as well. He was coming in with late tackles and clattering into the the main defenders and giving them nothing easy. So that's the work rate required. Then you throw in maybe like uh, a couple of fifth forwards now, like that has to come back. The likes of uh, Jim McEnany and Sam Mulroy. So. Um, all is not lost. I know it was a bad league campaign, but that we can really build in that first half performance. Work really hard, get men behind the ball and break. We have Anthony Williams, we have Derek Maguire, we have Young Downey can do it, we have McSorley with pace, Andy can go all day. So it just shows once it's there, once it's set up properly, we can uh, be disciplined about it and it works. It got us to Division 2. It got, we went away from it, we were down now in Division 3. So that's talking point number one. How we can build on that system going into the championship. Because at the end of the day, it gives us the first, it gives us a first, good first half. Usually we've been out of games in the first few minutes. We didn't concede a goal in the first half. We only conceded three scores from, three scores from Mead. You know, that was good going. And um, even though Mead weren't great and they ran out of ideas, we made them run out of ideas. We made them push them wide, push them out and we're very compact, very disciplined. Build on that, build on that, and we'll be all right. Hopefully, come uh, Carlo in the championship. Um, talking point number two. Bit of a disaster, really, when you looked at the the subs bench. Um, players being away. I know it was a, it wasn't. It was obviously a refixture. That we shouldn't have been playing that weekend, and lads had other players had other things booked. Um, but it meant Craig Lynch wasn't fit to start, he was away on the stag. You had, um, you had James Stewart was away, Rowan Holcroft was away. Um, I know Ryan Bournes was injured, but he was away as well. And that meant the, the bench, we had only four players on the bench, um, outfield players, and Seamus Quigley, our goalkeeping coach. Um, formerly with Cooley and with Dumahani's last year and formerly with Kilcarely as well he had to sit on the bench um, in case Galley got injured so, so like that's just it, it just it just doesn't look well if you only have four or fifth players I know Darren Marks went off injured at the end 
I know uh, Conor Early was injured. I know James Craven was injured, but surely you should have a backup panel. Even if you, even if you could give the likes of the under twenties or the under seventeens, give them a day's experience on the bench with Loud. You know, it just does not look well. You've only four outfield players. They all came on. They all made an impression. Aaron Khan came on, made his debut, uh, league debut. Um, Tyg McEnany was, was was bright, was bright again when he came on. Um, on top of that, Paul Matthews made his league debut from the Feckins. Really talented footballer. Hasn't played a lot of football this past couple of years. Been very injury, very set back with injuries, but. Um, He's a good player. That'll do him no harm. And then the player from RD, Evan Keenan, come on. And you just wonder why Evan Keenan hasn't got enough of a spin in the whole league campaign. Very solid player. Very effective. Uh, doesn't really do anything wrong when he's in possession. First introduction to the play, he he, he was playing wing-back. He's a wing-back uh, for the club. Plays centre-half for RD. Plays left, come, on, come on left-half for uh, Anthony Williams, who got black-carded. First thing um, Evan does, he hugs hugs the touchline, keeps the width, gets the ball, tough over the over the shoulder catch, makes the catch, and then has the conscience of mind to recycle it back out. Just very clever footballer, doesn't really do wrong. He stayed in the next attack, he stayed a little bit forward, a high ball went in, I think it was a bad shot, could have been Decky Bourne, it dipped and went low, but um, Keenan made it uncomfortable for uh, the goalie and the full-back. Very nearly punched it into the net. That would have been a really big boost midway through the half. It would have actually levelled the game. So it just shows. Um, oh well, it, it shows like I think Keenan is worth a punt. He's worth a spin. But it just shows when you give you the chance and you get lads in there. Um, you never know what could happen. Like this, this entire league campaign, we have found. I know it's been dismal, but we have found a few good young players that will play for the county for years to come. Fergal Donoghue, like I said in the last talking point, did a really good job in killing O'Sullivan. Not many people do it. Um, Emma Carlin has been our player of the league at full-back. Another young chap as well from the Blues. Uh, Kieran Downey, he's getting more experience as he comes in. Ross Nally as well. Wasn't as sharp, but he played the full game. Um, so that's talking point number two, and there's two kind of talking points in there. How the bench got to that amateur level of having only four players and the beacons of hope the young players that came through and made made their grade in the high level division two of the national football league Talking point number three: Is this the end of Fortress Drogheda as we know it? Um, as we, as we, uh, everyone, there was it was the talk of the actual talk of the Gaelic Grounds. Really, how ironic that uh, the talk of the Gaelic Grounds was that the Gaelic Grounds um, county board meeting on Monday night finally, finally put a full stop, um, sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. It's all done. Um, that. There's no, there's no getting through. There's no breakthrough with, with um, getting the county grounds um, at Indrahada. The, uh, the GA won't help Loud GA. They don't have full sole ownership of it. Um, it came to a crux between the county board, the Rathleys and the GA. And finally, a line has been drawn under it and a big, thick red marker. And just, like you, you just wonder now why, why it dragged out so long. 
why we couldn't have just thought of somewhere else or done something else straight away without dragging it and dragging it. Maybe maybe the powers that be wanted to have that kind of excuse all along to have that there, you know, that uh, oh, it's the Rattley's problem and then the blaming on them and push it off and not really wanting to fully go about doing something about it. But it's finally over. Um, it, the county grounds for Laird will not be um, Drogheda. And then you think next year, do you think the Rattleys will get a game, get the home Laird games next year? I'm not so sure with the feelings, um, the ill feelings that the, the club is probably getting. I would have the games there. I still think it's their county grounds. But if they weren't willing to budge, will the county board punish them in that way by not playing them there? Will the county finally even be there? It's very hard to know. Um, but coming out of that, like, it means maybe now, right, finally it's done. Got rid of it. It's 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 over. We can we, we can all move on. We like the one thing to come out of it, we have that closure. It's not gonna be in Drada, it's not gonna be the Gaelic grounds in Dorahalis. So that's it, move on. And already like there's suggestions like the um, the Marys and the Plunkets have offered their their pitches or their clubs as uh, potential sites going forward. Then there's talk of buying a greenfield site maybe in uh, off the race course road in Dundalk or in the Link Road in RD. So there you are, like it just shows once there's finally a bit of closure, you have uh, something to work on moving forward. So there you have it, watch this space. Um, County Grounds debacle is over. And hopefully now we can start with a fresh sheet of paper and pick somewhere else new and have something. Um, the county can be proud of in the years to come but uh, don't hold your breath that's talking point number three talking point number four and it's um, that threaded word relegation Um we're gone. We we didn't get a win. It's only us and um, Wicklow and Kildare. The only teams that didn't get a win in the whole National League. Wicklow were brutal, and Kildare, in fairness to them, are well out of depth in Division One. We even beat them this year. So very disappointing. You can see we can see thirteen goals in the entire campaign. It's nearly two a game. You never really go anywhere with that. Um, so it brings us back to Division 3 next year. Like, it's just not the same. The buzz won't be there that Division 2 brought. I know it'll mean it'll be more at our, our level, hopefully, but it was just a, a very disappointing uh, campaign overall. I did allude to the bright sparks, but um, it's Division 3 next year. It won't be the same, and it'll be mighty tough. You have Carlo Leash coming up. Down has gone down with us, who beat us this year. Um, Westmead will be there Colin Kelly's uh, over them I don't, we'll probably be with them next year so he'll face his old county Longford um, never get anything easy against Longford especially the last time we played we just got over them in the more um, awfully as well they're there so that's it's like a mini Oborn Cup what's that six Leinster teams half of Leinster is in Division 3 next year and last but not least is Sligo who gave us a right tank in the last... Actually, they gave us a tank in two years ago in Markford's Park, and then last year we were qualified, already qualified for the league final, to beat us in Drada. Um, 
So there's nothing easy there. Like it's not like oh we're, we're going down, we'll be grand, we'll be at our level. Very tough, very competitive, very dogged, and uh, they'll all drag you down to that level. You know, um, there won't be that buzz. So there'll be less glamour, and it'll just it's just really a disaster. Really been going down so quick. You know. We haven't stayed in any division. We, we've gone from one season in Division 4, one season in Division 3, one div- season in Division 2. So, like, we haven't stayed in any division for a couple of years. Like, we haven't consolidated our place whatsoever. I know we went down and we went up and we went up and up. But uh, it'd be nice just to show a little bit of consistency and stay in, stay in the league and compete at it. And hopefully we get out we get out of Division 3 next year and not go the other way. Um so that's all, that's talking points for the Mead, Mead game. Um, Mead very lucky not to go down as well. They're, they're no great shakes, um, no great shakes whatsoever, if we can take any any consolation from that. Um, I know it's not really, but when you, when you get beat by them and we could have, had a, could have relegated them, it's very annoying. Then you go down to Division, then you know you're going to play in Division 3. It's very de- depressing, they can get in on you. But look at we'll go back to the club um this week, uh, in the next four weeks. Championship down on top of that, uh, Leinster Championship on top of that, trip down to Port Leash to face Carlo. Uh, there's plenty to look forward to. Um that that concludes the talking points and uh, the final talking points of the National League. Um uh, thank God says you. So there you have it, there's the final um, Talking Points podcast from the league campaign, a miserable league campaign for Loud fans, and we can all thankfully agree that uh, we're all delighted that it's over, to be honest. Uh, just wasn't a year we, we got up um, last year on the back of a, a strong kind of continuity, that continuity wasn't there this year. A lot of young players, new manager, new system, new backroom team, Knew everything, so it it, it just it just what didn't bode well. That that's just the way it goes. We've we've six weeks now to go to Carlo. We'll have I'll be building up to that as well on here. I'll also have a couple of interviews with uh, a few interesting loud loud GA people and uh, with with good stories to tell. I have them all lined up. I'll be doing something on the leagues, like I said this week, this weekend since the start of the league action all across the counties, which is really healthy and really something great for the county to look for look forward to get g a people out there looking at their own clubs and opposing clubs and it'll get the chat going and I'll have something up on that to discussing all three all the results, all the notable results, and all the movers and shakers in loud football. Um, thanks very much. Hit me up on at We Are Loud on Twitter. We Are Loud on Facebook. Um, should, I might have something a live video as well. Keep checking it out on Periscope and Facebook Live as well. Um, uh, what else can I think of? Uh, no, that, that's that's mainly it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, been a pointless um, league campaign, but hopefully we will uh, go onwards and upwards.